Well, it's good to be back, folks. It's been a number of years uh, since I've been with you. A lot of changes uh, to the building here. Uh, I was admiring. Uh, I think the last time I was here, I was desperate to put a line on, um, just because it was still very much looking like a bookies. I'm only kidding, that was a joke. Um, but it was still very much looking like a bookmaker's. But now when I walk in and see this and the wonderful verse behind me as well, uh, it really is stunning. Uh, so it's great to be with you. Uh, I was involved last night in uh, a wee night that we had over at Liberty Community Church, where I'm involved. Uh, there was a woman, uh, interestingly, uh, I know that uh, Kathy and Bill were very much involved in the founding of this church here. Um, there's another uh, Wood family uh, over in View Park, uh, Jean and Davy Wood uh, are the couple, uh, and they were involved very much in the grassroots of what became the church that we now are uh, over in Bells Hill. Uh, and Mrs Wood, who is a widow now, um, Davy passed away a number of years ago, she's moving down to Hoyk uh, to be closer to her daughter. So we had a night last night just of reminiscence and of memories, uh, giving thanks for her life, for Davy's life, but most importantly, uh, for the work that God has done uh, through them. And it was amazing just to flip back over the years, uh, photographs uh, embarrassing quite a few people, uh, but looking back at a lot of these faces and seeing how God has brought these people on, uh, and it's so encouraging because it's not just about the building, it's not just about what goes on here, it's about what's happening in people's hearts, and it encourages me uh, as I come here and as I hear from Sandy and hear from Graham as well, just about how folk are growing in their faith and it's great to be part of that with you this morning. Well, if you could turn with me to the book of Hebrews, uh, looking at chapter 12, quite a well-known uh, passage of scripture. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, there are times in the Christian life, and it's interesting, the songs that were sang, um, you know, blessed be your name when the road's marked with suffering. Uh, there are times in the Christian life where it's tough, where it's really tough, and sometimes it's not just tough um, because uh, we're the same as everybody else, that people get cancer who are Christians, it's not that we're immune to this type of thing, uh, people suffer from depression, people uh, go through really difficult times, the same as those who aren't Christians, but sometimes some of the things that we go through are actually because we're Christians, uh, we go through persecutions, we go through hardships, we go through struggles, uh, not just in spite of the fact that we're Christians, but actually because we're Christians, uh, so in a sense uh, we can have it doubly uh, as hard, and it's difficult in those times, uh, and I think we would be lying or putting a face on uh, if we said that it's dead easy in those times to still be saying blessed be your name uh, even in the midst of the road uh, that's marked with suffering and I believe that the writer to the Hebrews are not really too sure whether it was the Apostle Paul, a lot of folks would say it is, a lot of the writing's quite similar uh, to a lot of his other letters but I'll just say the writer uh, to the Hebrews, he's writing to these guys that are struggling, you read earlier on that they're having a lot of things stolen their goods are being vandalised, there's things that are happening to them since they've become Christians, uh, again it's this kind of stuff that's happening, not in spite of the fact that they're Christians, but because they're Christians, Satan is out to get them uh, because they now belong to the Lord, and there are things that are happening to them uh, because they're Christians, and this writer writes in the midst of these difficulties, in the midst of probably them feeling as if they want to throw in the towel, uh, because if they remember, it was probably easier before they were Christians uh, than what it is uh, at the moment, and this, this kind of chapter is written in the midst of that, in the midst of those circumstances. Let's just read uh, what it says, it says therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And I really just want to focus on these first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. It's interesting that the writer gives an analogy, I suppose, of the Christian life. And the analogy that he gives is one that Paul gives elsewhere about the Christian life being like a race. And I'm sure for those of us who are here who are Christians, we realize that this isn't a hundred metre sprint uh, that the writer's talking about this isn't something that's over in the blink of an eye God doesn't save us and then take us immediately to heaven although sometimes that would seem amazing if he did and life would be so much easier uh, God has a plan, God is sovereign and God doesn't plan it that way God leaves us here and the writer says it's like a race that we're involved in where we need endurance and I'm sure the race that comes to our mind when we think of that is the marathon race, the modern day marathon uh, where runners are really 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 struggling you speak to any marathon runners um, I can't give a personal analogy here because I'm not a runner as you can probably see Um, but if you speak to anybody that runs long distance they'll tell you that the one thing that is needed is endurance it's not about speed it's not about getting to the finish line as quickly as possible and if you look at some of the guys who try and do that who get out of the blocks quickly before long they've puffed themselves out because they forgot that there's a hill ahead they forgot that actually the weather can change especially here in Scotland and we've experienced that over the past week where it was snowing in the morning and then by three or four o'clock you wouldn't have thought it had been snowing at all and these runners are running for hour upon hour upon hour going through these terrible conditions very often and very often trying to deal with their own psychology and can I do it, can I not do it or whatever and I think that's quite a good analogy of the Christian life because there are very th- there are a lot of things that change as, as we go through the Christian life, things that are different today to what they were yesterday or 10 years ago or whatever and there are things that are out with our control that very often we're having to deal with day in day out and it can discourage us and the writer gives us this analogy but doesn't he just give us this analogy and says run with endurance the race set before you well that's great fantastic we can shut our bibles and we can all go home but he actually gives us I believe four practical tips to help us to run with endurance the race that's set before us and that's what I'd like to do uh, with you this morning is just kind of run through very briefly these four things uh, that the writer to the Hebrews tells us that helps us to realise that we're involved in a a race um, and that it helps us basically to run with endurance uh, this race that's set before us. The first thing is uh, basically through something called reflection Uh, it's going to be four hours, it helps me to remember it. Uh, I remember at Roman Road when the preachers came, it always helped me to remember if they had four four or five points and all began with the same letter Uh, so hopefully that will help you to remember it uh, today as well guys. The first thing is through reflection what does he say? He says therefore and whenever you see therefore in your Bible it obviously connects what has been said before. Uh, What's it therefore is what the the scholars would say. Find out what it's there for. In chapter 11 uh, the writer has been going through the heroes of faith. Here are guys here who very often died for their faith so immediately you're saying well they had to endure. There was suffering involved here uh, for being men and women of God. Uh, So he says therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight the sin that so easily ensnares and run with endurance the race set before us the writer is saying listen guys if you're going to run with endurance the race set before you you need to reflect 
on them who have run the race before you. And I remember a lot of folks saying that, oh well this is witnesses if you imagine they're talking about a race and, and you're in the race and they're in the stands and stuff. I don't believe that's what it is. I believe it's actually looking back to those who have witnessed and been testimony to the faithfulness of God. I think that's basically what it is. Looking back to those like Rahab, like Moses, like all the people who are mentioned in chapter 11, these heroes of faith and looking at how they stood the test of time, not because anything that was in them, not because they were super saints or super spiritual, but because God is faithful. And if you're going through difficult times in your life, it's important to reflect on them who have come before. People like you and me, normal people, sometimes we, we over-spiritualise or put people up on a pedestal when we shouldn't. Because if people are super spiritual or whatever, it's because God is their God. That's the difference. It's God that makes the difference. And the writer to the Hebrews says, if you're going through difficult times, guys, look what these people were. Look back on the faithfulness of God through generation and generation and generation. I remember hearing, I was over at the Glow Mini Bible School. I'm handy uh, staying in Motherwell. Uh, we've got the great resource there of the Glow Centre. They had a Glow Mini Bible School just a few weeks ago. And uh, one of the guys was speaking about the fact that why did the Bible come to us in the way it does why is it the way why didn't God write it differently or why didn't God give us a revelation in a different way and he was saying that it's been proven through the years that we respond to story people respond to stories and when you look at the Old Testament it's full of stories and it's full of stories for a reason because we respond to stories we can put ourselves into the stories we can look at it and say wow and that's no any coincidence that it's full of these narrative portions of scripture so that we can look and see there's an ordinary guy there. In fact, probably actually in some occasions I'm maybe a better Christian than them in some respects. God used them. God is faithful from generation to generation. Look at Joseph. Joseph went through these really difficult times. His brothers abandoned him. They threw him down the pit. He gets sold into slavery. He's in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife accuses him of, of rape because he wouldn't do what she wanted him to do. He then goes uh, into prison. He's getting forgotten about in the prison because he said, listen, I've interpreted this dream. Will you, will you pass on the message? He must have felt as if he was abandoned by God. But it tells us later on in the story, as Joseph goes from prisoner to prime minister, that what man meant for evil, God meant for good. And it's important to remember that, guys. In the midst of your difficult situations, we serve a faithful God. We serve a God who's with us every much in the times of suffering as he is in the times of praise and spiritual blessing. God is with us every step of the way. And I would really encourage you guys, get into your Bible. A lot of folks read the New Testament because they think, well, we're, we're New Testament believers, we're Christians. Get into the Old Testament. And see the faithfulness, the holiness, the awesomeness of God. This God that we serve. He's a great God. He's a wonderful God. And he'll never leave us or forsake us. Let me just read you a quote from... Uh, a book that I read that I found very helpful it's uh, by Max Licado uh, he talks about the story of David and very much takes the analogy of David uh, and, and says this, this can help you in your own Christian uh, spiritual life, he says uh, you know your Goliath when we think about the situation with David and Goliath you recognise his walk the thunder of his voice, he taunts you with bills that you cannot pay people that you cannot please, habits that you cannot break and failures that you cannot forget and a few 
future that you cannot face. But just like David, you can face your giant even if you are not the strongest, the smartest, the best equipped, or even the holiest. David, you could read his story and wonder what God even saw in him. His life has little to offer the unstained straight-A saint. He fell as often as he stood, he stumbled as often as he conquered. But for those who know the sound of a Goliath, David gives us this reminder. Focus on giants and you will stumble. Focus on God and your giants tumble. That's an important thing, isn't it? How many times have you been in a situation and you take your eyes off of God and you're so absorbed with the situation in front of you? What did David say uh, when all the army were quaking at the the thought of fighting this guy Goliath? Even uh, the king, King Saul, was too scared. This mighty warrior was too scared to go out. What did uh, David say? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should deny the armies of the living God? Everybody else's focus was in Goliath. David's focus was in his God. And that was how David managed to defeat Goliath. And that's the only way we will ever manage to get through the difficult times. And this race, this endurance race that we're involved in, the Christian life, no 100 metre sprint. Sometimes it's tough. And we need to remember these things. So firstly, through reflection. I believe we're taught in this passage. Secondly, through uh, repentance, what does it say? We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. You know, the people who ran in what would have been the kind of forerunner to the marathon, um, they actually were so bothered about things holding them back that they actually ran the race naked. Now, I'm not for any, I think the people in Moodysburn would be very offended if I encourage you to run about Moodysburn naked. Uh, I don't think that's what the analogy, I think there's a, there's a point where the analogy comes and we stop it. Um, but you think of it even nowadays, uh, when you look at these runners who are spending, or certainly their sponsors are spending millions upon millions of pounds to get the best gear for them. You imagine um, these folks that are running the 100 metre sprint, the 200, the 400 and even the marathon runners, Nike, Adidas or whatever, they spend billions probably, not even millions, billions upon billions for streamlining, making sure that they are as fit as possible to be able to run this race. They don't want, you never, you never see somebody running a race with a wee suitcase running behind them. You know, they're never going to be anywhere in the race. That's, that's just not going to happen. So they are wanting to shed whatever weight that they can, whatever things are going to hold them back in this race because they want to get to the finish line. You know, I think that tells us that sometimes when we're going through suffering, sometimes when we're going through difficult periods, we need to actually have a look and say, is it actually things that I'm clinging on to that are causing the suffering? Is there sins that I need to repent of? Is there things that I need to lay aside? Because actually that's what the problem is. Because it's very easy to look on your circumstances, isn't it? It's very easy to look around and say, well, actually, if if it wasn't for that, I would be doing much better. Or if it wasn't for that, or if that person hadn't said that to me, I would be doing great. You meet loads of people. If you did a survey of the community here, I would almost guarantee you that everybody at some point is at a contact with a church, whether it be Sunday school or whatever. And I think a large percentage of the people would come back and say, but I stopped 
going because this person said this to me or because this person was this and I, I didn't agree with what they were doing or whatever we can come up with so many excuses guys so many excuses and sometimes we actually need to look into our own hearts and say Lord what is it that I need to shed what are the things that I'm holding on to what are the things that even I'm 35 I became a Christian when I was 16 years of age what are the things that I'm holding on to and it's interesting that actually the, the, the version of, of uh, scripture that I've got, the King, New King James Version, uh, actually says, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Ensnares us, that's quite an interesting word, doesn't it? Very often we dabble with sin, don't we? Very often we get involved with things, not actually realising what we're getting involved in. And something that we thought we had control over suddenly has control over us. And that's when it's very difficult to repent of these things. But the Bible teaches us that repentance comes by the grace of God. God gives us that ability to repent. And that's something I think we should be praying for. An ability to repent and turn from our sin. Because sometimes that's the thing that's holding us back, guys. Rather than looking at everybody else, rather than looking at everything else, sometimes we need to look internally and say, Lord, what is it that I'm holding on to? I remember somebody said actually a guy that uh, Graham's brother Colin knows very well, Mes McConnell, uh, through in uh, 20 Schemes through in Edinburgh. They've got a, a wonderful uh, group set up there where they've got a vision to plant 20 gospel preaching churches and 20 housing schemes, similar to this one, uh, throughout Scotland. It's a great vision and these guys are doing really well with this. And he had said on, on Twitter, I think it was one day, he said, uh, have a think about this guys, uh, when was the last time when you really gave something up for Jesus when you really gave something up for Jesus and that caused me to ponder when was the last time I actually said you know something Lord that's something and we can easily say well I gave this up was that something we really wanted when was the last time you really gave something up for Jesus lay aside the, the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us to help us to run with endurance the race set before us so we've had reflection, we've had uh, repentance, the third thing I believe the writer teaches us uh, that we have to look towards the reward what does it say, run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross when you read or when you look or speak to any uh, runners, even, even in a 100 metre sprint, uh, you don't see these runners uh, looking to the left or to the right. Sometimes if somebody like Usain Bolt is already uh, yards away from the rest of them, they'll have a wee glance back or have a look up at the screen. Whenever folks are running a race, their eyes are forward. Their eyes are not anywhere else looking at who else is running with them or whatever. Their eyes must be forward. And if you speak to these guys, that's what they're saying. My focus was right forward as Christians if we are to run with endurance the race that's set before us the writer to the Hebrews nails it here look to Jesus look to Jesus so much so that actually Jesus fully God yet fully man when he was here on the earth what did Jesus have to do to be able to endure the suffering, the agony and the persecution not only of the physical aspects of the cross but of bearing the wrath of God for you and me upon the cross? What did he have to do? He had to look ahead. He had to look ahead to the joy that was before him. Not the joy of heaven in terms of the golden streets or whatever but the relationship with his Father and the Spirit. 
We need to, guys, if we're going to run with endurance, the race set before us. Something that was encouraging last night was seeing all the guys that are going on in their faith for God. But, you know, I looked at many photographs of people that I thought were doing great for the Lord 15 years ago. And today are nowhere. Nowhere. Cursing the name of Jesus. Never set foot in a church for the last 10, 15 years. Let's don't think that we are, are above this. Let's remember that we are all susceptible. Let's remember that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. But there's a responsibility for us as well, guys. We have to work out our salvation with fear and with trembling. Let's not dabble in sin. Let's focus on our Saviour. Let's look to the time when he will give us the crown of righteousness. When he will say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what we were thinking of last night when we were thinking of Mrs. Wood. This life that has been lived for God. And it would have been easy for us to have said, well, let's just wait till Mrs. Wood is no longer with us to say these wonderful things about her. But we said, no, let's take the opportunity while she is still with us to remember and to say from our perspective, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done for the way you have served God in our midst. But we need to look forward to the day when it is Jesus that will say it. When Jesus will put that crown of righteousness on our head. Well done, good and faithful servant. And finally, I think we can run with endurance the race set before us. Not just because we can reflect or because we need to repent or because we're looking forward uh, to that reward. uh, But also through something called recognition. What does it say uh, in the passage? It says that uh, the Lord Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, verse 2, endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. We don't serve a saviour who can't understand. We serve a saviour who is a servant, who Philippians tells us gave up the glories of heaven to come down here to earth, to be spat upon, to be mocked, to be forgotten about, and to be nailed to a cross of wood. Coming to pay the penalty for sin, coming to rescue, and being rejected. All part of God's sovereign plan, yes, but he was rejected, he was despised, he was mocked. And the Bible tells us that it wasn't his sin that he was paying for, it was your sin and it was my sin that he was paying for. It was the sins of the world that he came to pay for. And I, I found the, the film, The Passion of the Christ, very helpful because it was, it was the most graphic depiction of, of the, the cross that I'd ever seen. But let's remind ourselves, guys, that was only a, an illustration of what was going on in the spiritual realms. As God the Father poured out his wrath. That's what the Bible teaches us. And a lot of churches wouldn't teach this stuff. A lot of churches would say, no, no, you can't talk about the wrath of God. The righteous anger of God against sin. That's what the Bible teaches. A righteous anger of God against my sin. Wholly justified. Wholly justified. Jesus took that upon himself. So that I don't need to. There are many times in my Christian life where I think, Lord, how could you possibly understand? When the reality really is, Tommy, how could you possibly understand? 
The Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus is an empathetic em, is it empathic, Sandy, remember we did is it empathic? Empathic, no empathetic well that's it, empathic, no even sympathetic but empathic because he came and he walked in our shoes and he died the death that we could never ever pay for and more importantly raised three days later and we celebrate that in a few weeks although I don't think we should just celebrate it I think we should speak of the resurrection more often um, because without it the Bible clearly teaches us we're still in our sins um, but that's the saviour that we, that we worship, that we serve a saviour that understands totally what we're going through and actually who is with us every step of the way Hebrews uh, and other uh, portions says this, it says seeing chapter 4 uh, verse 14 to 16 seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted just as we are yet was without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need at those times when we're struggling, guys, at those times when we're barely keeping our head above the water, turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look to the one who has gone before us. Look to the one who knows exactly what we're going through. Look to the one who can give us grace in our time of need. I don't know about you guys, but even though I've been a Christian for a number of years, see when times are tough, sometimes I look everywhere and anywhere but where I should my eyes are everywhere, it's on the problem, it's on some new solution, some new book that I got out of Waterstones or whatever for how to solve the problem. Or the Bible says quite clearly, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Focus on him. Bring all your troubles, all your cares. What's the, the song that, um, I don't know if you guys still sing it, we probably don't sing it enough, um, at, uh, at Liberty where we are. It was... Um, a song about, about praying to Jesus, Bill and Kathy. You guys don't maybe know I'm terrible with words of songs, just ask Fiona. But it's, it then actually says, Have you trials and temptations? That's part of the. Is there trouble anywhere? Take it to the Lord in prayer. And basically, that prayer is, 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 that song is talking about the fact that very often we live our lives as Christians and we go everywhere and anywhere but where we should. If we've got troubles, if we've got temptations, if we're going through struggles, let's get down on our hands and knees. Let's not go to the latest book that's on Amazon or whatever. Let's get to our Bibles. Let's reflect on the faithfulness of God from generation to generation. And if God didn't let these people down, I'm hanging over sure God's not going to let Tommy Wright down. Let's look to the reward. Let's look to him who has conquered death, hell and the grave. Let's look to that day when we will see him face to face. The thing that actually I struggle with most in my Christian life, guys, is myself. That's the thing that I'm looking forward to most about seeing Jesus. Because I hear a lot of people saying, oh, you know, about this one. The frustration that I have in my Christian life is me. Because all the things that I know I would love to do, but very often it's sin that gets in the way, it's my own selfishness, it's whatever. And I can't wait to that day where I'll see my Saviour face to face. And what does the Bible say? I will be like him. I will be like him. Suddenly Tommy Wright, the selfishness, all the stuff that Tommy Wright basically ruins, I suppose, but God in his grace is, is sovereign. 
I'm looking forward to that day where I see my Saviour face to face and I miss He is. And I'll be able to worship Him in spirit and truth, truly in spirit and in truth. Let's encourage ourselves, guys. It's great to, to hear that you guys are guys that pray for one another, that share with one another. It really frustrates me how we have got to the stage where we think that church on a Sunday and maybe a wee midweek thing is enough for us to survive as Christians. We need one another. We need one another because see when you're out there in the world, when you're out there in the world and you're hearing about everything and anything, and if Jesus is said, it's as part of a swear word, or Christianity or faith is laughed at, we need to be amongst brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage ourselves to say Jesus is the answer. To encourage one another to say, listen, you're going through difficult times, focus on Jesus. And sometimes we think, you know something, this person's going through a difficult time, I don't know what to say, I don't know how I can fix it. You can't fix it. You can't fix it. Give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Let's just pray and give thanks uh, for God's word, folks. For God and Heavenly Father, I pray and I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that it is everything that we need. Lord, very often we go... Uh, to other uh, places when we really we should find ourselves in your word Lord we thank you for your revelation of yourself uh, in your word it's not just rules and regulations Lord it is a revelation of the person of God and we thank you for that Lord thank you that your word doesn't just tell us what we want to hear because sometimes when we're going through difficult times we, we look for those who, who we know tell us what we want to hear and that's not helpful, Lord. We, we need uh, you to tell us what we need to hear. Help us to, to run with endurance the race that's set before us, Lord. Thank you for this analogy in your word that the writer to the Hebrews gives us. Thank you for these uh, helpful um, tips, I suppose, uh, that, that they give us in terms of running with endurance Lord to reflect on those who have run before us even those within our own fellowship who have run before us uh, those who are with us and those who, who maybe aren't yet with us Lord we pray and we thank you for the faithfulness uh, that you have shown from generation to generation you are a faithful God help us to reflect on that help us to remember that Lord Help us, Lord, if there is anything in our lives that we need to repent of. Even now, Lord, I can't uh, make people uh, repent of their sin, Lord. That is your job. The Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would enter our hearts and, and soften them. Because, Lord, very often our hearts are hard. Soften our hearts, Lord, and help us to repent. Help us to turn from sin to our Saviour. Help us to focus on him. Help us to see his beauty. Help us to see his majesty. Help us to worship him for his grace and for his mercy. Help us to remember we serve a saviour who has walked in our path. A saviour who came from the glories of heaven. Who lived amongst us. Who was born... A lowly birth in a stable, Lord, and we remember that at Christmas. But one who we come to celebrate at Easter, Lord, who was willing to die on that cross. 
who was willing to pay the penalty for our sin, Lord, who was willing to face the righteous anger of a holy God on our behalf, Lord, help us to realise the cost of salvation. And we praise you, Lord, that the grave could not hold him. We praise you that we can read in your word that he sits at your right hand even today. He is our great high priest. We serve a risen saviour. Lord, help us, I pray, Lord. Uh, Take my fumbling, stumbling uh, words, Lord. And Lord, apply your word to our hearts for the glory of Jesus and for the good of his people. Amen.